It's time for JT the Brick. Raider Nation unite! We're a show based on fans. Embrace the culture, embrace the history of this organization. Feels like football. Man, you know, since I've been here, I've only had one winning season. So really, like, all the individual accolades don't really mean nothing when you don't win. That's a gritty, gutty win! Yeah, this is what I dreamed of, you know? This is this is what it's all about. We're not going backwards. We're going to do this right. Obviously, you know, we would love to, you know, play in a... Super Bowl in our hometown. They hate you. They despise you. They think you're a bunch of thugs. JT the Brick. Who's the number one rival of the Broncos? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of the Chargers? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of Kansas City? Without question, the Oakland, LA, and now Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I don't care who I play against. I go out there, I don't discriminate. I treat everybody the same way when we we go out there. And I'm more concerned about what we're doing as a football team and what I'm doing personally. And now, your Las Vegas Raiders. Here's JT the Brick. All right, welcome back. Hour number two of the show. JT, as we continue... We got a lot to get to here. Russell Baxter, the NFL researcher, the Hall of Fame insider, will join us in about 15 minutes. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. He had that Atlanta game, man. Atlanta's in trouble. We'll find out who he's got this week. We'll talk to him coming up here. The season is over for Daniel Jones. He's out with the Giants with an injury. A lot of backup quarterbacks are playing football now. And the NFL uh, put together a primetime schedule this week. That awful announcing refers to as the worst primetime lineup in eight years, they're saying. I, I said, double checked and said, what, what are they talking about? Well, here's what they're saying, and they're throwing the Raiders under the bus. Here's what you got in primetime this week Panthers, Bears. One in seven Panthers, two in seven Bears in Chicago. On paper, that might be the worst Thursday night game of all time. How do you think Al Michaels feels about calling that game? I just know that he's going to take him down at whatever restaurant. Whatever restaurant he's going to, he's running up the bill for Amazon. I can promise you that. He's going to run it up. Sunday night, it's Jets-Raiders. Raiders are under 500 at 4-5. and five. Jets are 4-4, four and four and the Jets stink. So a lot of people are looking at that game going, how'd they get that? Well, the Raiders are in Las Vegas, baby, and Aaron Rodgers was supposed to play this year. And then Monday night football, the Bills-Broncos. The Broncos are 3-5. and five. Why are they on Monday Night Football? Because they got Sean Payton and Russell Wilson when they set the schedule. They didn't set the schedule last week. They set it in the offseason. So those are the primetime games that everybody's going to deal with this week. Uh, even the Giants-Cowboys stinks. The Cowboys are a 16.5-point favorite. Lions are going to be at the Chargers. Looking forward to see what happens there. Look, the Lions are coming up their bye week. Remember, they beat the Raiders. They went on the bye week. And the Chargers won last night. If the Lions get, it's a big game for the Chargers. If Chargers beat the Lions, that's a big win for them. They'll get to five and four. If the Lions win, they'll go to seven and two. Right there behind the Eagles, when you look at the overall record, there's not a lot of good games this week, everybody. Good weekend to go out on the lake or do something or get a hike going. These, a lot of these games, the best game is Niners at the Jaguars. Not a lot of people watch the Jaguar games. So that's Niners, Jaguars. Browns, Ravens could be pretty good. Uh, Packers-Steelers is not what you would think. Packers are 3-5. and five. Saints are at the Vikings. How'd the Vikings get to 5-4? and four? Derek Carr and the Saints are 5-4. and four. Vikings 5-4. and four. That's in Minnesota. If the Vikings win that game and Kevin O'Connell is able to get to 6-4 and four without Kirk Cousins, that's a coaching move. And the Frankfurt games, we're still playing in Germany. The 2-7 and seven Patriots host the Colts, and the Colts are 4-5. and five. Now, would you fire, that's a call to action, would you fire Bill Belichick if he loses that game and goes to 2-8? and eight? I was on the flight with Dennis Allen 
when Dennis Allen got fired after getting boat raced in London with the Raiders, because the Raiders, you go whenever you play an international game, you go on the bye week. So would the Patriots want to fire Bill Belichick mid-season after winning six Super Bowls and being the architect of the franchise's success? You got to let Belichick have to the end of the year. I think you got to let him have the end of the year. I don't, I'm, I don't know, but I would, I would give him to the end of the year and let him resign on his own. I wouldn't fire him if he loses to the Colts, but you never know. There's a lot of reports of that coming out of Boston. Open line 702-365-9200. Raider Dave is out in Denver. How you been, Dave? I'm doing good, JT. You sound epic as always, buddy. And I think if uh, they do release Belichick, it's going to save him from immediately this season becoming the coach with the most losses in Mm -hmm. NFL history. So maybe there's something to that. Hey, you know what? You're the only guy at the pinnacle, at the peak of talking to alumni for Raiders. And we all know that, you know, Marcus Allen was mentoring Josh Jacobs. I don't know. I haven't heard anything new about that, whether that's still going on. You know, all the drive that they had last week to go ahead and get in to uh, Allegiant and put one over on the Giants, I wonder how they, you know, just rile that back up, you know, in the intensity again. But I think it's time for the alumni to be invited in. I'd like to see Tim Brown talking to Adams. I'd like to see Gannon or Plunkett talking to AOC mostly just to go ahead and let them know that they have their back and they're available if it, they ever want any kind of, you know, idiosyncrasies and tips about how to really caliber player in this mm-hmm. league. I don't know if you ever get grumblings about Woodson talking to mm-hmm. the defensive backs or not, right. but I know you're close to these guys. And that would just be my question going forward about how they could get these guys involved, the alumni involved, to help drive this team. Because you never know what's going to happen the rest of the season. And I just think we got to catch lightning in the bottle at yeah. any way possible. Yep, thanks for the call. The alumni are always welcome. And the previous regime didn't have a problem with that also. Uh, they were around. We had a great alumni night this year, a really big alumni night this year to kick off the season that was supposed to be an open door. And it was. And, again, I saw guys at that dinner who were just talking to their other players, Dave Casper with Michael Mayer, Phil Villapiano with Robert Spillane, and the door will be open. And Antonio Pierce is a really smart guy. He understands that. He walks the halls of the Raiders. He sees the images of Tom Flores and John Madden. He knows who Fred Bolitnikoff is and these guys. And I think the open door will be even more open. Okay, it's not going to be pride open. It's going to be flung open. Actually, there's no door. Just come on in. And Freddie Bolitnikoff's on the sideline before home games and Ted Hendricks. So if any player wants to reach out to these guys, they're available. And Charles Woodson's vocal. I'm going to be on Tim Brown's radio show Saturday to talk Raiders. So Tim reached out to me to do that, and I'll reach out to Tim to get him on, and we'll do a little bit of that. But it's a new day. It's a new era for the Raiders. It wasn't planned. It happened because the team was underachieving tremendously on offense. And they're going in a different direction. Now, Bo Hardigree, if you heard that interview a little while ago, he's very short, very short on purpose and to the point, but he's talking to the players, he's getting the players involved, and he wants to make sure whatever he's going to do, he does it early in the game. Look, if the Raiders come out five wide against the Jets and start slinging it around, I'll be the happiest guy in the building. But I do believe that there's times, and Lincoln Kennedy talked about it today on Raiders Roundtable, just run the ball, run the ball and run it hard. But when you run the ball and that's your aggressive play, you usually have low-scoring games that are conservative that eat a lot of clock and make the game tight. Make the game tight. 
and I think the Jet game is going to be tighter than we like. I hope I'm wrong. I knew I knew that the Raiders would blow out the Giants, at least by double digits. I thought that was a lock. I think the Raiders will beat the Jets, but I think this could be a classic game where it could be tight if Zach Wilson plays a little bit better. And I'm looking for a huge Josh Jacobs game. He almost went over 100 yards, and hopefully he can do it coming up here. Because the Jets, you can run the football against the Jets. Unfortunately, you can run the football against the Las Vegas Raiders. And both coaches are not going to reinvent the game. They're not going to reinvent the game. you got two defensive head coaches. They're going to turn over the game plan to their offensive coordinators, Nathaniel Hackett and Bo Hardigree. And I think both of these coaches are going to want to run it. Matter of fact, Nate Hackett might want to throw it more than run it because he just at times calls a bad game because he wants to get his quarterback involved. And this quarterback, Zach Wilson, really struggled last night. Quickly from last night's game with the Chargers, the punt return for the touchdown. This set the tone. I thought the Chargers were beatable when you watched them play last night. They didn't look great, but this was the difference. So let's see if Darius Davis can get something going here in the punt return game. He and Xavier Gibson, two of the best in the league this season on the field tonight. And this is returnable. This is absolutely. Low. And he has fielded it at the 13. Sets up his blockers, running left to right. There we go. Darius Davis, 35, 40. Turn on the Jets, Darius. 40, 30, 20, 10. Darius Davis, house call, touchdown, Chargers. 87 yards, no flags. Chargers radio on the call. After the game, Robert Sala did Russell Wilson take a step back? This coach really supports Russell Wilson. He's he's in his camp. He's trying to get Aaron Rodgers healthy to come back again. Here's what he thought about Wilson last night. Was this a step back for Zach Robert? Uh, I, I don't know if you could say step back. You know, there's like I said, there's it's all encompassing. You know, obviously he's going to want some things that he he wishes he could have done better. It's just a little bit of everything. It's just uh, one of those bizarre games. It just every time we had momentum. Uh, like I said, just a self-inflicted wound. Uh, wound. Uh, was it his best game? Obviously not. Was it his worst game? No. I'm not going to say it was even close to his worst game, but uh, uh, it's, I think the entire offense, obviously we all could have been better. Wow. If Robert Sala is not going to say that's close to his worst game, I don't know what his worst game is. I mean, that's that's a coach supporting a quarterback. He was god-awful last night. And Robert Sala continues to defend him. Now what about a potential play call change coming up here as they come to Las Vegas? Is the coach, Robert Sala, going to change out Nathaniel Hackett? Robert, because the offense hasn't improved and you guys are still dealing with so many of the issues, um, kind of a question that probably does need to be asked is that would you consider a change of play caller? No. No. So they're coming in with Nathaniel Hackett. Robert Sollers, the head coach. Zach Wilson is the quarterback. Reese Hall is going to be the running back. They're going to come out, and they're going to try to run it and then set up easy throws, and it's going to be the job of Max Crosby to have a massive game. If Max Crosby can have a massive game, then that will change everything. Mike in Staten Italy is getting closer to cashing his ticket. Raiders over six and a half. You needed that one, Mikey. How are you? Hey, JT. All right. Hey, listen, back here in New York, I went to that game last night, and this has a, this Sunday night has the makings for a 10-7 game. Whoever takes care of the ball best, uh, I'm really pumped up with Pierce. Uh, I'm pumped up with the play calling from the game against the Giants. And if you just compare the Jets' game plan against the Giants to the Raiders' game plan with the Giants, we're in good shape. It's going to be listen. We can't take nothing for granted. They got to protect the ball. You have a rookie quarterback going against an unbelievably good secondary. 
Josh Jacobs has to run the ball like he's possessed again. Josh Jacobs has to get 100, 100 yards, and we got to get our tight ends involved. That's the blueprint for beating the Jets. You play ball control. It's two great punters. And you imagine where it's 2023, JT, and we got to talk about both punters as weapons on the team. It's unbelievable. Yep. Thanks, Mikey. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Look, it's going to be low. It's going to be a low-scoring game. It should be. If it's not, it's because the Raiders jumped out and threw the ball. With Aiden O'Connell and Devontae got involved, and they played a very high level. That's what I'm hoping happens here. That's what I'm hoping happens if Bo Hardegree can put more wrinkles in there and go five wide. But if you take chances in the passing game against the Jets, you could lose because the Jets' defense does a nice job overall in the defensive passing aspects of their team stats. It's the running that is really the problem here. So for the defense, I'm a defensive stat guy. I look at the defense first. And when you look at the defensive model of the Jets, you, you respect what they can do. You respect the Jets and Robert Sala. Robert Sala is a very good defensive head coach. And I think Antonio Pierce, we're going to find out if he's good. I think he's good. And we'll have an opportunity to see him get it done. But this is going to be wild to see this game. Because playing conservative against the Jets means you're letting the Jets hang around. Do we all understand that? If you decide to play conservative against the Jets, you're giving the Jets an opportunity to hang in a game. Do you want to do that, or do you want to punch the Jets in the mouth and go up top and try to attack their best strength, which is their secondary? These are the questions that we're talking about all week. Russell Baxter, the football guru, joins us, one of the sharpest NFL minds out there. Russell, you just heard me mention in the Jets I mean, they were awful again last night, and Robert Sala is still sticking by Zach Wilson. I guess he has no choice until Aaron Rodgers can come back. How do you see it? Well, yeah, I think they've kind of backed themselves into a corner. Um, you know, the offensive line was a question mark to begin with, and the problem with Zach is he's one of those guys, and some guys, JT, are better at this than others. When you get sacked, you've got to learn – to protect the football, okay? Uh, that was a problem for Carson Wentz, who just signed with the Rams. That was always been a problem with Kirk Cousins. Um, less of a problem with Josh Allen, because I think some of his fumbles really kind of occurred downfield. But Zach Wilson looked, you know, he was harassed all night. He got sacked eight times. It was really a big letdown for a team that had just strung together a little nice winning streak and had a golden opportunity, JT, to jump up in the AFC East. As it turned out, all four teams in the division lost. Russell Baxter is our guest. What do your insights tell you of what happened with the Raiders? Josh McDaniels, your years of living in Bristol and ESPN and being in that region, knowing the Patriot way with Belichick, another coach that didn't last too long, not only with the Raiders, but in a new regime here. What did you hear from the inside and the outside on why the change was made? Well, um, in some ways, it kind of reminded me of and you'll remember this, uh, when Kevin Gilbride had a very, very short stint with the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I give Mark Davis credit because obviously things weren't working. And it seemed to me that you know, Josh and Dave Ziegler came in more so to undo what John Gruden and Mike Mayak had done rather than focus on what needed to be done. And the, the immediate red flag for me, and you and I have talked about this, mm-hmm. 
was that not picking up the option on three first-round draft choices and basically saying, I don't care what you did, getting these guys in the first round, none of them are, you know, we're not worth keeping. And, and all Josh Jacobs did was lead the league in rushing last year. So um, he, it seemed like that move, JT, was made, I don't want to say out of spite, but it was done to, to make a statement. Well, you know, it was a bad statement. I mean, this is an organization that's been on, you know, shaky legs for more than 20 years. I mean, if you go back 21 years, the last time they won a playoff game. So, um, and I think it's less about the Patriot way than anything else. I mean, Josh McDaniels, let's be honest here. You know, he had a failed stint in Denver. Um, he never showed up for the Colts. Mm-hmm. And now this. Russell Baxter joins us, great NFL insider. Let's move on to the play of Baltimore. Did you see this coming? Because he's playing different now. Lamar's not putting his body at risk as, as much. He's not running like he did early in his career. He's pinpoint accurate, and they're so balanced with offense, defense, and special teams. Um, I knew something was going to be different because if you remember, the offense the last couple of years was tailored around Lamar Jackson. Now Todd Munkin comes in and brings in his offense. So I think there's a difference between building an offense around a player and having a player learn an offense. And listen, they put 500-plus yards on the board two of the last three weeks um, and spanked two teams that were in first place at the time. The Lions still are. The Seahawks are now behind the 49ers in terms of tiebreakers, but I think the thing that surprised me the most has been the defense um, that they've been able to generate such a big pass rush. Um, I don't think I necessarily saw that coming. I mm-hmm. thought their defense last year was a little spotty, but you know, and you'll know this name. It seems like everywhere he winds up, he does well. Kyle Van Noy mm-hmm. to me is one of the more underrated defensive players in this league. He's bolstered the pass rush. You know, he won some championships. Uh, with the Patriots, he's kind of floated around in different stops, the Chargers, uh, the Dolphins, um, former second-round pick of the Lions. I've, I'll never understand why they dealt him to begin with, uh, but he's still alive and kicking, and he's a big reason they're able to get after the quarterback. Russell Baxter joins us, the NFL writer and historian. Follow him at Bax Football Guru. That's B-A-X Football G-U-R-U. Also fan-sided NFL, NFL Spin Zone. Cleveland's defense is really good, and this they only give up 17.4 points a game, and they're only giving up 89 yards on the ground rushing and 145 in the air. If Deshaun Watson was at the top of his game, which he was when he was about to get in trouble and leave Houston and come here, $240 million plus guaranteed. If he was playing at an elite level healthy, how good would the Browns be with this defense? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, here's one of my favorite stats of the year, J.T. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals got 58 yards of total offense on Sunday. Wow. On one play, Amari Cooper against the Cardinals, caught a 59-yard pass. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And I know Clayton Toon uh, named that Toon. I mean, he, had a, he, had a, he had a rough afternoon, and, you know, you don't see too many shutouts in the league. There's only been three all year. But 58 total yards. I mean, that was decisive. Now, of course, they get the rematch. With Baltimore and Cleveland has not given up a lot of offense. See, I looked at offensive touchdowns. 
You know, Cleveland, when they lost to Pittsburgh, gave up, uh, you know, two defensive scores. They don't count in the, as far as going against the defense. But when Baltimore played them in Cleveland, and I know they had a rookie quarterback and all that, but Baltimore's offense scored four touchdowns in that 28-3 game. You know, this AFC North, JT, is really intriguing. Every team is above, mm-hmm. two, at least two games above 500. Are we going to see a division where the entire division makes the playoffs? Yeah, as of today it would. Russell Baxter joins us. Dallas, the Cowboys. I, I'm on the Cowboys this year. That was my Super Bowl pick before Diggs went down in the secondary. I thought that was a massive loss. But overall, I like the Cowboys. I like the balance of their team. And I thought they outplayed Philadelphia for almost three and a half quarters, but that doesn't matter. A couple of big penalties late and costly opportunities around the goal line was the difference there. Are you a buyer of Philly? Do you think Philly's that good? Or could Dallas catch up to them and beat them later in the year? Well, I, I, I certainly think Dallas is capable of them. You know, Dak Prescott had no problems throwing the ball against that secondary, mm-hmm. but they imploded late in the game. You know, not only the penalties, they gave up three sacks in the final three minutes. Um, so what it shows you is this is a Philadelphia team and organization that has learned how to win, and they find different ways to win, and they're not doing it as decisively as they did a year ago, but they're doing it. I mean, if this team was 14-3 and three last year, and a couple of those losses were without Jalen Hurts. They're 8-1. They have the best record in the league. I think people expected the Philly to fall back a little this year, but they proved, and that organization with Howie Roseman, he brings in players. Um, he's not afraid to make bold moves. Um, a lot of people are on, uh, you know, what are you going to do with Jalen Carter after all his off-the-field issues and stuff like that? They went up and got him. He's made that defensive line. And, hey, you remember when they beat the Patriots in Super Bowl 52. The key to that game was his depth on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. They finally got to Tom Brady late in the game, strip sack, Brandon Graham, um, recovery, insurance field goal. This is another deep defensive line with the Philadelphia Eagles and, and their offensive line speaks for itself. Hey, finally, Russell, it, it seems like a lot of backups are playing. There's some backups playing at a low level. Hey, look at the Giants and what they're dealing with. Some other teams, Joshua Dobbs, God bless him, makes a play or two here. I watch a lot of football, not as much as you. There's some bad product out there. There's been a lot of bad games recently. I can't wait for this upcoming quarterback draft. There could be three or four or even five quarterbacks taken in the first 2022 picks here. Do you think that's the only way to save it? Because we are regurgitating a lot of names, and they're not stars in this league. Uh, uh, This might shock you. Do you know how many different quarterbacks started last year? And there was, I'm trying to remember the player who actually started for there were 69 different starting quarterbacks yeah. last year. Mm-hmm. 69. Now, there are 32 teams in the league. Some teams started three. Some teams started four. Um, the teams that started their guy all 17 games usually did pretty well. Even mm-hmm. though, like I said, Jalen Hurts missed some time and so on. So but I agree with you, and I, I think it goes beyond just the quarterbacks, JT. Um, I've been critical of how – the offseason is now handled by teams and so on. It, it seems like everybody's kind of doing their own thing, and I understand mm-hmm. that. Um, the, the, the preseason, now all of a sudden you're seeing teams play their guys in the preseason. A couple of years mm-hmm. ago, numerous teams wouldn't play them at all. It seems to be confusion on how to get ready for a football season. I beat this drum 
I'll say it again. Can we please go to an 18-game regular season and make two preseason games tune-up games where Mm -hmm. players and coaches take them a little more seriously other than just trying to pare down their roster? And by the way, let's expand the rosters Mm -hmm. a little as well. There's a lot of talent out there. I just don't think it's being – and and, uh, one more thing. How about a little more contact in, in training camp? I know what yeah. we're trying to do and so on, but offensive line play is horrendous around this league overall. I agree with everything you said there. Fantastic. That's why we have you on. We'll have you on in a couple more weeks. I always appreciate your time, my friend. Looking forward to seeing you in Vegas for the Super Bowl. Uh, Russell does his countdown every day. We're down to less than 100 days for the Super yep. Bowl, and who would have ever thought it'd be in my city here in Vegas, huh? Here's my best bet of the week. NBC shows at least one Heidi flashback when the Jets and the Raiders play on Sunday night. You got it, my friend. Take care. There he is, the football guru, Russell Baxter. Yeah, NBC is the biggest television show on television, the Sunday night football. It's here in Las Vegas on a good weekend, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun the week before F1 comes. Are you kidding me? So we got a Sunday night primetime game. We get F1 right behind that. There's a lot going on here. Concerts everywhere. Concerts everywhere. And they still got to get you in and out of the strip. Man, I live here. I've lived here since 96. I think I know every side street to an extent. You know, there's parts of towns I don't go to as much as I do. But, you know, I know how to get in and out of the strip. Man, and I got a big Uber bill, right? That's my rule in life. I tell my sons, I'll pay for the Uber. You're going to have one, one drink you don't drive. Not two, not six, and then have dinner. No, none of that. So the Ubers now, man, I'm telling the Uber, no, go that way, go over the flyover, come this way, come to Harmon this, go around there. It is crazy. And I, the people who work on the Strip and got to get in and out of work and got to leave an hour earlier, you don't get paid for that hour earlier, more gas and traffic. We understand. I, I just say this again from knowing people involved in these events. There's going to be growing pains. It took forever, ever to build the Fountain Blue, right? It feels like 20 years, not 10. The Sphere took a while over budget. Allegiant Stadium on time and on budget. Right then, the baseball team's coming here in 2028. Did I hear the other day? No, or was that 2027? The last I looked, it's 2020 what? Three? Oh, so we're going to have the baseball team in 2028? What the hell are we going to do with the baseball team up in Oakland until 2028? Anybody? Bueller? They're getting 2,000 a game now. What, are you going to get 400 a game for another four years? Man, everybody wants to be in Vegas, man. Everybody wants to come. But I still have a lot of friends that only do. They got the three-day rule. In and out. No matter how much fun they're having, in and out for three days. Greg in Sacramento. Thanks for waiting. Greg, go ahead. No problem at all. Thank you, JT. Thank you for taking my call, Thank you. Brother. Um, you know, what can we say, JT? Finally, a complete game from our guys. Both sides, complimentary football. Um, the looseness that they played with, I think that everybody, you know, that's what I always loved about Raider Nation ever since a kid, hearing from my dad and my grandpa talking about the Raiders. I think that's what you're starting to see now, where it's everybody has their own personality, but in the end, it's all Raider Nation. So it's not nobody trying to put you inside any kind of box. It's just be you. If you're the, if you're the, the, the outgoing guy, be you. If you're a complective guy like Aiden, be you. But we all have one goal, and you've seen that um, on Sunday. Uh, I think the looseness, like I said, that they're playing with, with, with Hardegreave, the, the game that he dialed up, it made it look so simple. I mean, you've been saying it all year, JT, and i got to give credit where credit's due because, 
you know, I know you get your credit, but let me let me go ahead and say it. JT, you've been saying spread them out all year. You can't guard all these guys. We have way too many guys. Renfro, Devontae, all these. I mean, Jacoby, how did they let him get out of New England, right? We're so thankful. Um, it just looks like this team is playing with a looseness. This $102 million offense that we've been looking at, we've been waiting for. Um, I, I believe, I agree with you. I think it's going to be low scoring, but I, I think we still get 24 out of this game this weekend. Um, I don't see the. I think the 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 just the motion that they're that hard to grieve is dialing up. Mm-hmm. I think the defense. I mean, you're listening to Max. You're listening to these guys. They're feeding off each other. Um, you know, you look on us on paper, and if we can only assume that the team's going to be who they were last week. Now the Jets are a better, a much better defense, but I'm not. We're not scared of that offense at all, and the way our defense <laughs> is playing lights out. Um, I think if this guy hard to grieve dials it up, I, I, I think you see us 24-14, 24-17. I'm just going to call it now, but I, I like what we see. Let's get another week of complimentary football. Let's stack these wins. Let's go Raiders. Thanks for the call. The defense is playing good enough that I have confidence with them. I always have confidence in Max, and I, I think the defensive unit led by Patrick Graham has improved. But I have a lot of confidence as a season ticket holder watching the defense from behind their bench, looking at the way they've played, what they've done recently to say, you know, the Chicago game was a debacle. They couldn't tackle anybody. They got the message. They're playing better. They're playing with tremendous passion and energy. They got to do it against the Jets because the Jets' defensive front is as good, if not better, than the Raiders. And they are going to—they're going to be fawning at the mouth, foaming at the mouth to get a Aiden O'Connell, just like Max is going to want to go and annihilate Zach Wilson. Protection will be critical in this game. We got a lot to tell you about Remy Martin teaming up for excellence. Remy Martin has a whole bunch of activations coming up. They've been my proud partner. For a long, long time, when you want the VSOP, the XO, you go to any casino, lobby, high-end restaurant in town, anywhere in town, ask for Remy Martin and team up for excellence. Yeah, I think, you know, AP did a great job. It was a hard situation, you know, a short week and um, an unfortunate situation that he, you know, took full advantage of. And, you know, AP's a a guy who has strong convictions and, you know, you can feel as intensely when he talks. And um, I think guys believed in him. And, um, again, we just all around offense, defense, special teams did a really good job executing. They did a nice job. That's Aiden O'Connell. Shout out to my buddy Barry Daycake from Barry Steakhouse who listens to the show at Circa. Aiden O'Connell came for dinner after the game, which is nice. And uh, Barry's a great friend of mine, dating back to Nine Steakhouse back in the day. If you haven't been down there, uh, go to Barry Steakhouse downtown at the bottom of Circa. It's fantastic. And Devontae's there a lot. And there's a lot of people from the Raiders who go there all the time. And it's always fantastic. And I just saw on his social media, he was in the kitchen with Aiden O'Connell, who had a nice big bag to go bag after his dinner, which is fine. Feed the quarterback and treat him great. We appreciate that. 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. But first, my friend Chris Myers, who calls games for the NFL on Fox, one of the best broadcasters in sports the last 25 years. And, Chris, as we begin, you told me C.J. Stroud was the right choice, choice the best rookie quarterback. I remember that in an earlier interview. You nailed that when no one had that first. How'd you know? 
Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, just when you think that he's done enough uh, to set the rookie record for passing yards, and and again, no interceptions in that game. He only has one for the entire season to go with the 14 touchdown passes, his passer rating. I mean, I, I, heard, I heard the argument, and, I, and I, I'm not one to crown people this early, uh, JT, because a lot can happen over the course of a career, but having sat with him, uh, listened to how humble he was, but how devoted and confident he was, watched him in practice, put the ball, and talks about the accuracy and, and then improving upon that, uh, very mature, obviously, and, and really not, you know, he's had a beat-up offensive line, not a great running game around him. I mean, he's with a good young head coach in, in D'Amico Ryans, but uh, I mean, he's done a lot of this on his own and, and, and seems to be getting better. But I've already heard the argument. He's one of the, the 10 best quarterbacks currently in the league. If you had to just pick a quarterback for this year, uh, and I think that's high praise. That's not coming from me. That's coming from some other people. So he continues to amaze. He has at least this team in the in the possibility of a playoff conversation, meaning the Houston Texans. And that's amazing. And that's all on him. Chris, I told you weeks ago, I didn't think it was smart for Joe Burrow to play early in the season. I thought he was injured, damaged goods. He didn't play in the preseason. As always, he never does. But he had the will to win. He wanted to go out there and win because he didn't want his team to fall behind in the division race and the playoff race, and he fought through it. Now he looks like he's really locked in. The ball's coming out early. He's making great decisions. Big win for the Bengals over the Bills. Yeah, fair point about such an important, uh, kind of an underscored part of his game. Uh, when healthy, how well he moves in and around the pocket and those, those little scrambles, those those pickups when nothing else is out there to get positive yards, to get you know maybe a first down or, or six yards when, when nothing's there instead of just throwing one away. But, you know, watching him again, even, you're right, as, the healthier he gets and, and the offense, even with the limited running game, at least they stayed committed with Mixon. But he remind, he's probably the best pure passer currently in the NFL. And I, I know some said, hey, his release and how – how he can flick it reminds you a little bit of a Dan Marino, but he's got that that assassin kind of killer approach as a, as a quarterback. It's a good matchup going in, but I, I'm with you on Burrow and the way I mean the AFC North. All those teams are uh, would be in the playoffs based on the on the current standings. But yes, he has the Bengals back, and their defense too is playing very well, especially these last three games against the opponents they've run into. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. Chris, it seems like every chance Atlanta has to win a winnable game and show that they're better than their record, they take a step back. They take a step forward. It's always back and forth here with their offensive identity. They're a good team. I think they're well coached, but they can't get out of the way of themselves. They remind me of the NFC's Chargers where they're supposed to be better, but they always trip each other up. How do you say it? Yeah, well, at least the Chargers have what you think is a franchise quarterback for all their draft choices that they've assembled and the talent. They don't they don't have the quarterback. They tried with Desmond Ritter, who's a good guy. We like him. He's functional, but that's that's just not going to work in today's NFL, at least not the way this team is churning. And then Taylor Heineke is really a backup. He can give you a boost, but I don't know if you could ride him uh, to the playoffs. Uh, he's going to stay the starting quarterback. Yeah, I called that game Atlanta. If you really think about it, they, the high, the top 10 draft picks for Drake London, now he was hurt, but Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts, and then and then Bijan Robinson. You have Tyler Algier, who was a 1,000-yard rusher last year, and their defense, as, as we pointed out, is improved with the veterans they've added from last year, but that offense does not score or control a game, and I, I think you hit on it, the identity, I, they're not sure what they are. They're going to try and throw it a lot with that offensive, the, those kind of skilled guys on the outside, or they're going to pound away with, with the running backs, and even Cordero Patterson still has some game left in him. I mean, it was pitiful when they got down inside the one-yard line and didn't have Bajon Robinson into the lineup at all and still couldn't get the ball in the end zone. They settled for field goals and allowed Joshua Dobbs uh, to have a tremendous comeback 
you know, for a team that had, he had only been with in less than a week, uh, which is a great feel-good story. But for the Falcons and where they are, a chance to be on top alone in that division. Now they've been supplanted by the by the Saints, and, and I think they're they're continuing to struggle a little bit with where they go offensively, and they're wasting some good defense right now. Chris Myers is our guest from Fox. Uh, Mark Davis made a big decision, an expensive one, to let go of Dave Ziegler, the GM, the offensive coordinator, and the head coach, Josh McDaniels. They got the interim coach bounce in Antonio Pierce. The defense has been led by Max Crosby. Chris, what's interesting for me, being on the inside, if the Raiders don't lose to Chicago and Tyson Bajan, Josh McDaniels isn't let go by losing that game and then playing poorly in Detroit. They now have an inspirational coach here that might be able to get their season turned around. Raiders sure look good finally getting over 20, getting 30 points and an easy win over the Giants. Yeah, and however you get there, and and I I think you have to give the owner credit, Mark Davis, even if you make a mistake. And I've learned this over the years from successful owners in baseball and the NFL guys who have NBA won championships. Even if you like somebody and you commit it and, and you put in a lot of money, if it's the wrong move, the sooner you recognize it, own it, and change from it, if you can't internally make the adjustment, then you're better off, even if you pay a heavy price in more ways than just finance. And so that was the right move, especially after all that we heard about what the players were saying, other coaches, uh, for a fan base that, that is so outstanding. The league is always a lot more fun when the Raiders are doing well, even if there are Raider haters out there. Uh, so, yes, they they've uh, they saved this year and maybe the franchise for a while, even though it came at a – at a heavy price, and, and I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not surprised. Uh, maybe if it had come a little sooner, uh, they'd, they'd be better off. And even the move to bench you know, Garoppolo, who I happen to like, but it just wasn't working right. It's the same kind of situation, not that he's fired, uh, but, but that's the right move, and I think they showed that. And those players really stepped up big for Antonio Pierce and for their, for their owner. Uh, for making the move that, that Mark Davis made to get rid of Josh McDaniels, who's had enough chances already. Another another disciple of Bill Belichick that gets a lot of mm-hmm. hype. Matt Patricia go on down the list of guys that you know just don't get the job done or don't live up to the hype. Vrabel is maybe the, the one exception uh, mm-hmm. over the course of time. Chris, Kevin O'Connell, as we wrap it up, what a coaching job for him after Kirk Cousins goes down. Even before Cousins went down, it looked like the season was unraveling. And you get Joshua Dobbs up. I mentioned, you know, Baker Mayfield went to the Rams for a quick game in less than 24 hours, won a game, absorbing the playbook. What a coaching job by O'Connell to have the team believe. Really nothing to call for Dobbs because he didn't know (laughs) even the cadences and what they were calling. And they end up winning a game that might have saved their season, keeps them on the outside looking in for the playoffs. Yeah, one of the hottest teams of the NFC. They've won four in a row, and right now they would be on that that last seven spot of the wild card. He, the organization, making the move right away uh, to, to to acquire Dobbs from the Arizona Cardinals on on Tuesday that trade deadline, knowing that they had the the fifth round rookie. Uh, Jaron Hall from Brigham Young is really the only guy that's they have Sean Mannion there, but that was that was the clever move. Uh, they started the rookie, he got hurt right away. How about Dobbs' first couple of snaps? He gets a safety, then he fumbles a ball, and after that he, he settled down. We all know about his degree from Tennessee and rocket scientist and interest in NASA. Uh, so he's a smart enough guy, and he did. That was the one thing, uh, JT, he did grasp. He told us before the game, too, I, all the plays in the playbook, I can handle them. I mean, I'll figure that out. Like you said, the rest of the team had to adjust to him. But O'Connell, the coaching job, a former quarterback himself, play caller, head coach, uh, he did the right kind of work during the week, whether it was with his rookie quarterback or Dobbs, to have him ready, and then called the right kinds of plays. Even when mistakes were made, you could see him consoling on the sideline and saying, hey, we still got this, because 
the Viking defense was keeping them in the game because, as we just discussed, Atlanta was settling for field goals instead of when they had an early chance to get touchdowns and knock out Minnesota. So it was a really feel-good story for, you know, look, there's always room in the NFL for, for players that are ballers, even if they're, they're on a last chance. That was the fifth different team in the calendar year for Joshua Dobbs. A seven overall started with the Cardinals. Yeah. And remember, led Arizona to their only win when they beat the Dallas Cowboys. He was the quarterback there. So two big wins for, for him this season. Chris, last one, you know about scheduling and flexing, and a lot of our listeners don't know the meetings or what you hear about it. Take us behind the scenes with the Ravens now, considering they look like an elite Super Bowl contender and a lot of games that could be flexed on different platforms in the coming weeks and let alone months here, and maybe how the Ravens can get more into some primetime games by being flexed into them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that they went under the radar with Lamar Jackson and their record and the teams that they beat, but the Ravens have really been impressive here, and they just – they just don't get, you know, instead of the, the Giants in primetime and the Jets and some of the pre-schedule, and now mm-hmm. we will start after Thanksgiving. That's the first Monday now that can be flexed, that Monday night game. Watch that. That's a Bears-Vikings game, uh, but I don't know how much they want to move things. So far, they've kind of stood pat. And, and look, give the NFL credit. They want to try to put the best teams, the best matchups in, in primetime when they can. Uh, some things like Thursdays, you can't automatically flex or schedule out of them like you can a Sunday night and now Monday night later in the year. But I guess what I'm getting to is that even with a guy like C.J. Stroud, uh, J.T., you know, with their team in contention, those guys deserve sometimes to be in, mm. in prime time so that people see them. I just think the Ravens, uh, certainly uh, adjustments ought to be made to get them more into prime time than some of these other teams that we've seen repeatedly that either have injury at quarterback or just haven't played up to the level that uh, we all thought that they would. Busy week as always for you, Chris. Always appreciate you. All right, thanks. You take care. Enjoy. Thanks, Chris. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. And, again, he was the guy, at least for me, I think he was the first guy who told me that C.J. Stroud, he did the first game, he called me and said, oh, my God, this guy's great. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I talked to him. He did the interviews, all that, and C.J. Stroud is great. Now, could Dave Ziegler have traded up to get C.J. Stroud? Absolutely. But there's reasons why he didn't. They had Tyree Wilson. They didn't want to give up that much to get a quarterback. Now there's a report that Dave didn't want Jimmy Garoppolo. It's all over the internet today, and here we go. The low-hanging fruit. Now everybody's going to try to kind of pick away of who wanted this guy, who wanted that guy. Hey, we've dealt with it in the past. I'm a big John Gruden guy, always been. Mayock, who who had the power? Who had the power? Reggie McKenzie, yeah. The GM's always going to be questioned on the way out. Hey, coming up next, Jim Harbaugh. Is he in big trouble or no trouble at all? My opinion on the other side is we're brought to you by Modelo, the official cerveza of the Raiders. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be a full, thorough, timely investigation. I can't imagine that this will not result in criminal charges. Well, what's happening with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan? JT back, as you know, the DeCastaverde Law Group. Appreciate them very much. When we we talk legal matters, it's brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group, Orlando and Alex DeCastaverde. If you get into an accident, 702-222-9999. Proud season ticket holders and proud partner of Raider Nation Radio. So Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, uh, the Wolves are at the door. If reports are to be believed, the NCAA has revealed the results of their investigation into stealing other teams' signs. 
Michigan staffer Connor Stallions resigned from the school last week. He's accused of using dozens of accomplices to scout other teams and their signs in person. Follow me here. In person. Other teams look at film of the games and the people with the signs to get that information. It's not the sign stealing that is prohibited by the NCAA. It's the in-person scouting of it. So what's happening here, everyone, quote, in college football engages in sign stealing to some extent. But you're not supposed to do it in person. That comes from college sports law attorney Mitt Winner. He told that to Deadspin, pointing out that while many schools watch film of their opponents in an attempt to pick up signs, sending a dedicated staffer to watch an opponent in person may give Michigan a competitive advantage. Quote, Michigan was doing something they weren't supposed to be doing, which a lot of other schools would probably have liked to do, and they feel it gave Michigan a competitive advantage, unquote. NCAA ain't going to do nothing. Their investigations take too long. Uh, Any discipline would probably be years away. Years away, that leaves it up to the Big Ten. And as disciplinary in chief, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to demand. Could the program survive with Harbaugh if he has another suspension? The Big Ten has no specific rule against scouting an opponent in person. I think Michigan will be all right. I've always liked Jim Harbaugh. Uh, he started with the Raiders. His first job was Al Davis gave him. first job was with the Raiders when he retired as a quarterback here, and he's going to get a head coaching job at some point. Don't know if it's going to be major disciplinary action. Defined as anything worse than a standard disciplinary action, which could be a slap on the wrist. It's just a really big story, and it's getting bigger by the day. Thanks to Bobby for putting the show together. Russell Baxter, the football guru. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. And Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox. Tomorrow we'll have a Raider alumni, Vince Sapienza, Bill Williamson, Vinny Bonsignor, and Tommy White from the 872 Laborers. It's a great show, and I got nothing to do with it. Excited. Q's coming up next. He always has a big show. He's got a lot of Raider great guests and insight. Listen to the rest of our lineup. I have a YouTube live stream tonight, 6 o'clock p.m., 9 Eastern, YouTube live. Follow me. It's in my bio on Twitter. Like to see you in there tonight if you can make it.